Well, last week we left Abraham as he responded to God's call and set out on his journey, not knowing where he was going or where he was bound for. And I said that it seemed to me that he needed two things above all, two things, faith and trust. This morning we find him a long way from his starting point after a number of adventures, including a, a violent confrontation with some hostile tribesmen who'd captured his nephew Lot and stolen everything that belonged to him. I don't know whether you tend to think of Abraham as a, 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 an elderly man with a long beard, um, very, very old and somewhat querulous. Well, he wasn't anything like that, really. He was clearly a force to be reckoned with because he mobilized 300 of his own men and rescued Lot in a nighttime attack, sim simultaneously recovering everything that had been stolen. So there were no flies on Abraham. <laughs> Even so, it's easy to panic. And I want to think about panic this morning. I really ought to have Corporal Jones next to me, oughtn't I? Don't panic, don't panic. But we all panic from time to time. You're on your way to an important appointment, or perhaps you're driving to the airport, and you come off the slip road, and you join the motorway, and your heart sinks because you see stretching as far as the eye can see in front of you a stream of stationary traffic. And you think, I'm never going to get there in time. I suppose some of us are more prone to panic than others. But we all know that awful feeling when life just gets out of our control, slips out of our control, when it overwhelms us. Well, in spite of his military prowess, when we find him in Genesis chapter 15, that is precisely how Abraham felt. And the reason why was that he believed God had let him down. You've let me down, Lord. You've made a promise. And it looks really that you're not going to keep it. Let me sketch some few details. In Abraham's day, you see, there was no defined belief in life after death. If they believed in any survival after death, it was through your descendants. Your immortality was in your descendants. So if you had no children, you would have no immortality. It would be as if you had never existed. Your name would disappear. No one would remember you because there would be no one to remember you. Listen to Abraham's despairing entreaty. Oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Again this morning, I want to show two things from the story, two things that will help us to get a right perspective and save us from the temptation to panic. First is this. Even people of great faith, from time to time, have a little wobble. And I find that so encouraging, because I spend most of my life wobbling. I don't know about you, 
But like Abraham, I'm tempted to think that the worst that is going to happen is just around the corner. As Abraham looked at his circumstances, he thought that the worst was about to happen. Now, maybe the temptation to panic has something to do with our basic personality. Some people always see the best, others always see the worst. A couple once had two sons. One was an optimist and the other a pessimist. And at Christmas time, the pessimist was given a music center. It was all there, the latest technology. He opened his present and he moaned to his parents, Oh, this is awful! I'll never be able to afford the CDs, and even if I do, you'll soon be shouting at me for making too much noise. And the optimist opened his Christmas present, and he found, he found it was a bag of manure. And he exclaimed with delight, A pony is on the way! Okay. We have to be aware of the tendency to overestimate the seriousness of our problems, but no matter how optimistic we may be, there are always times when life seems to be out of control. And we were thinking about this last week, weren't we? What happens when the unexpected comes crashing into your life? Imagine you find out you're suffering from a, a serious illness, or supposing there's a threat of redundancy and your home is threatened, how would you cope if one of your children was convicted of a major crime? A mother and father whose son had just been found guilty of murder explained that the only way they could cope was to go home, lie on the bed, and hold one another without letting go. We just went home and lay on the bed. We held on to one another and couldn't let go. Well, they had one another. But supposing one of them had not been there, Supposing they'd been alone, how would they have coped then? That's the situation that many people face. After bereavement, for instance, I can remember when my father died, my mother was so overwhelmed by all that needed to be done and all that had happened, she could hardly sign her own name. Well, Abraham panicked because he thought the worst was going to happen. He was going to be childless. So the second thing I want to show you is this. He had to stop paying attention to whatever it was that made him panic and pay attention to God instead. This was God's word to Abraham. Verses 4 and following. Then the word of the Lord came to Abraham. This man will not be your heir. But a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the heavens and count the stars if you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham's reaction is absolutely crucial in the very next verse. Abraham believed God and he credited it to him as righteousness. He'd made the grade. The relationship was still there, and the glue was faith. He stopped looking at his circumstances and looked at God instead. And it was an act of will. It always must be an act of will. We have to discipline ourselves, refuse to be influenced by circumstances. 
Instead, we've got to listen to what God says in, in his word and in the quiet of our hearts as we pray. In the New Testament reading, we heard how Abraham went on believing and accepting God's promises. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father. How? Because Abraham considered him faithful who had made the promise. Abraham considered him faithful who had made the promise. There are two illustrations I want to bring to you this morning. First of all, I want to tell you a true story about a young pastor in Rwanda. And this happened a long time ago in 1963, but nevertheless, the details are correct. His name was Yona. And he knew that as the civil war around him raged, if he valued his life, he would have to leave the village where his church was situated and go somewhere safer. But he refused to believe, to, sorry, to leave his people. And one evening he was taken from his home by soldiers and shot at a bridge where the invaders had fought for the national army. Two other people with him were released because his bearing in the face of death had shamed his killers. Afterwards, they said, he walked to his death without fear, just as if he were taking a, st a stroll. When they got to the bridge, he'd asked permission to pray and write in his diary, and he wrote the following, we're going to heaven today. And then he added as completely as time allowed an account of the church's funds, which were left in his house. Now, you have to have a certain presence of mind to behave like that, don't you? He walked to his death without fear, just as if he was taking a stroll. Oh, I know that there are many, many other people who have given their lives for other causes, who've shown just as much courage. But courage is not the issue. The issue is faith. Maybe you remember what Jesus said about faith. I quoted it last week, Luke 17, 6. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. And I said, he wasn't talking about supernatural landscape gardening. He was just talking about the power of obedient faith because obedience and faith go together. Where there is faith, there will be obedience. Where faith is absent, obedience will be missing. And this was amply demonstrated by an incident concerning the law of the pendulum. Now, what do you know about the law of the pendulum? I knew nothing at all about it until I discovered it on the internet. Such for how I prepare my sermons these days. Just trailing through the... No, I don't, actually. But the internet is useful. Very useful. The law of the pendulum is this. A pendulum can never return to a point higher than the point from which it is released. Got it? A pendulum can never return to a point higher than the point from which it is released. Because of friction and gravity, when the pendulum returns, it always falls short 
of its original release point. Each time it swings, it makes less and less of an arc until it's finally at rest. And the point of rest is called the state of equilibrium. What do you think about that? When all the forces acting on the pendulum are equal. So, one day in the physics lab, a physics teacher demonstrated the truth of his law by attaching a child's toy to a three-foot string. He pinned the end of the string to the top of the blackboard, leaving it free to swing, and then he let it go. And each time it swung back, he made a new mark on the board. In less than a minute, the toy had completed its swinging and had come to rest. The marks on the board proved his thesis. And he asked, how many of the students now believed in the law of the pendulum? And every hand went up. They thought the demonstration was over. Actually, it was only just beginning. Because hanging from a steel beam in the middle of the room, there was a large, crude, but functional pendulum. It weighed over 200 pounds. It was tied to the beam by four strands of 500-pound test parachute cord. So it was well secured. He called for a volunteer and asked him to stand on one side of the room. Taking the metal end of the pendulum, he held it a fraction of an inch away from the boy's face and told him, don't move. Don't move. If the law of the pendulum is correct, he said, as you have seen me demonstrate that it is, you are in no danger. When I let it go, it will swing across the room and return just short of your nose. And then he asked, do you believe that this law is true? And there was a long pause. And beads of sweat began to form on the lad's upper lip. And then he nodded and weakly whispered, yes. The teacher released the pendulum. At the far end of its swing, it paused momentarily and then started back towards the boy. And no one has ever moved as fast as that boy moved. He literally dived under a table and deftly stepping away from the path of the still swinging pendulum, the teacher asked the students, did he believe in the law of the pendulum? Did he believe that it was true? And a unanimous shout came back, no! When he panicked, Abraham was taken out into the night and asked, look at the heavens and count the stars if you can count them. Then God said to him, so shall your offspring be. And the crucial word is, and Abraham believed God, and he credited it to him as righteousness. That is what faith means. Taking our eyes away from circumstances and looking at God himself. 